Welcome to Radio Finance, the podcast that helps you understand the transformative developments taking place in the world today. Right around the world, a number of countries, governments have stepped in to provide credit to the small business environment, especially backstopping bank loans. Uh, and strangely enough, in a number of countries uh, where governments have been guaranteeing uh, small business loans, uh, they've forgotten to include um, all of the new uh, fintech players, the innovators in the marketplace, uh, to be able to both distribute price um, and, and profile the, the risk that is coming through uh, during this uh, COVID-19 uh, global pandemic. Um, I came across an initiative in the UK uh, where um, a consortium of three players uh, have uh, pushed back uh, on the government, uh, and that's how I see it. And I'll, I'll allow, I'll ask uh, you know the, each of them to explain how this whole initiative came about. Where fintechs have uh, started to ask to be part of that process of uh, of uh, distributing um, loans, uh, profiling where the needs are. Uh, and being part of the process of uh, supporting business uh, in these very difficult times and these very novel times because uh, the, the kind of risks that are coming through uh, because of the pandemic uh, is unprecedented, unprecedented anywhere in the world. So today I have with me uh, Martin McCann, the co-founder of uh, Trade Ledger, uh, Fleming uh, Bankston, uh, the founder of Nimbla, and Gabriel Sabato, the co-founder of Wiser Funding. Uh, the first thing I'd really like to know is um, what was the original state um, of the government's response in the UK uh, to creating this credit uh, guarantee scheme? Um, and, um, and what was the conversation with the FCA that eventually started uh, the process of including you as a fintech uh, in order to be able to participate uh, and use the expertise that you're bringing into the market today uh, under these circumstances? Uh, these are very unprecedented times uh, where the impact on, uh, I guess, cash flow and liquidity for SMEs has never be, been seen before in, in peacetime. So the, the measures taken by most governments, including the UK government, is somewhat extraordinary to try and address these uh, very unusual circumstances. And the strategy, I think, is, is pretty strong. I think we all believe that the idea of flowing 330 billion of additional liquidity into the SME sector is, is a welcome and required um, step and strategy to, to resolve the, the impact of the, of the crisis. However, um, I think as a fintech industry, uh, we think that the, the speed at which implementation of that strategy happened has led to a couple of oversights where the, the fintech industry could have helped um, more to, uh, to, to, to solve the problem. So the, the, the first issue is, I guess, the, the government went to the usual uh, suspects and channels to try and figure out how to distribute the funds. And that's a subsector of the high street banks was the initial port of call to distribute that. Uh, the, the challenge that creates for the, the, the scheme to distribute all of the funds to SMEs is that even in normal times, a subset of the uh, you know, the usual channels of distribution can't deal with that kind of scale. Uh, by our estimations, we think that uh, in the UK, uh, the industry and the nation needs about 100x of the distribution capacity that's normally available in, in, a, in, a, in a normal situation. 
and uh, we understand why uh, fintech wasn't looked at as a natural option. Um, but uh, as we've gone forward, that the, the, there's two distinct dimensions of engagement uh, with the government. One is including fintech lenders uh, on the on the on the panel of lenders, and there's been some great uh, uh, progress in the last couple of weeks, where uh, I think there's around about ten fintech lenders who are now qualified to be able to provide uh, uh, the Siebel scheme uh, themselves, which is government-backed uh, uh, scheme. And the other dimension, which wasn't being talked about, which is really why this coalition uh, came together, the, the FinTech Task Force, is how can technology be uh, part of the overall platform of the solution? Uh, so we realized that working with our partners, uh, working like uh, Wiser Funding and, and Nimla, that actually we had most of the building blocks of digital infrastructure, which could be deployed extremely quickly to provide, if you like, an, a next generation of uh, deployment capability and capacity for the UK market to try and solve the problem in the timelines that were required. And our view was that it, it's inevitable that the market's going to move that direction anyway. What this unusual scenario uh, creates is an acceleration of the adoption of that type of technology. Were you offering to um, you know, disperse government funds or government guaranteed funds or your own funds? Uh, no, actually what we're offering to do is to help the, uh, the, the sources of funds that are available to connect up with solving the problem. Um, so we, we provide the, the tech, uh, all of the services associated with the end-to-end -end, uh, problem. But what Trade Ledger does is we've got a, a, a core infrastructure platform that does end-to-end -end lending to businesses in a very digital uh, capacity. So typically our customers um, will, will get applications complete in four minutes, fully digital with no paperwork, uh, as opposed to you know, two to six weeks uh, against a backdrop of 90 days to fulfill uh, credit in the right. industry on average. Uh, so did you enter the program uh, later at a later stage and therefore you are seeing higher risk uh, businesses or um, you know, are you still well within that process where there's a huge backlog to be, uh, to be processed? And, and, and which type of institutions are you working with at the moment? So, so uh, I think uh, all, all three of us are working with, um, with, with different types of, uh, of institutions on different parts of the problem. Uh, but what we find is that our existing customers, who are high street banks and alternate lenders, uh, turn to us for advice and um, suggestions on how to stand up a solution quickly to deal with capacity of you know, up to 100x what they're used to seeing requirements and speed of more than 10x uh, to process those requirements. Um, and, and the next phase then is how do we make those capabilities available to a, a bigger uh, range of the panel? Uh, but we're, we're not providing funds our, ourselves. Um, and similar to, uh, to, to Fleming and, and, and Gabrielle, what we're offering is a, a part or combination of components of the solution to distribute those funds. Are there uh, aspects of your modeling um, you know, in, uh, structure that are specific to this crisis? Uh, or are you using um, you know, just about the same models of the high side street banks? And that's the great thing about, uh, about uh, I guess, the, the proposition which combined we, we put together is uh, the, the high street bank proposition has is, is, is always been challenged at servicing the SME space anyway. There's a huge gap in funding for SMEs in, in normal times. Um, whereas between us, we've actually got all of the new capabilities required to provide digital lending. So in, in answer to that question, that's probably a good one for, for Gabrielle to, to pick up on because 
his business, Wiser Funding, specifically has new models for SME credit decisioning. The key now is to assess the resilience of company rather than really the probability of default. Because in a moment like this, obviously, all companies are suffering. And so what we do at Wiser Funding, we have implemented a feature that allows any lender to do some, time, some sort of real-time stress testing. And basically using this to look at the profile of companies as they will be in few months rather than as of now. And this obviously, as Emmanuel, you were uh, suggesting, is a key element in a moment like this. Uh, there are many aspects of what this uh, SME task force is offering that are specific to the moment we are in. And that is mainly linked to the fact that we are three fintech firms, fairly relatively small and dynamic. And so we can adapt a lot faster than, you know, the bigger guys there out in the market. And I think this right. is one important strength of our proposition. Yeah, Gabriel, only because you mentioned probability of default, it just struck me that, um, you know, eventually banks will need to bring all this back onto the books and, uh, and it starts to show up on the Basel Tree proposition and so yeah. on. Um, what is your take on that? You know, how uh, are the loans being created under these circumstances with the government guarantee going to look like, um, you know, in, uh, on the books uh, in terms of probability of default and uh, Basel Tree? Yeah, I mean, undoubtedly, they won't look good. Uh, and that is the reason why, you know, they've got a guarantee that goes between 80 to even 100% for the smaller scheme called bounce back. And then there is the bigger scheme, the civil loans, and a further bigger one that covers the large corporates. So there is a lot of guarantee that mitigates the loss given default. And uh, lenders are left to assess the probability of default. Now, obviously, all the lenders that have left their lending criteria as before crisis are not lending to any new business. This is part of the problem. We see a lot of the <clears throat> risking of the books. So a lot of lenders using those schemes to restructure their existing clients, uh, their existing books, and relatively low new lending done. And that is a problem, like Martin was suggesting, in terms of deployment of these funds, that is the objective of the government right now. How will they look like in the future? Uh, and what will happen to the capital requirements of banks? I mean, it's speculating at this point, but obviously uh, there are a lot of articles out there that are already uh, talking about a, a new credit crunch. Obviously, uh, banks will have troubles to raise capital at this point. All these loans will consume more capital. So uh, I think it's a pretty much what we saw in 2008. Uh, will they need another bailout? I guess at this point is a question. Let's try to solve first this crisis and then we'll think about uh, right. the, that, the other one. Yeah. Now, I also take it that each one of the three of you uh, look at different types of lending, right? Well, um, let's in, in, uh, let's uh, uh, you know, introduce Fleming into this conversation at this point, because Fleming lends against invoices. Um, no, <laughs> no we, we, we help people lend against invoices. We put a credit wrap on the receivables themselves, on the invoices. 
So we, we facilitate, we, we're basically the grease that helps invoice finance, trade finance, supply chain finance happen. Um, and in particular, at the moment, um, you know, there are not many people who are willing to provide that working capital without a credit wrap being on the receivables because of the increased insolvency risk on those receivables themselves. Okay, so, so our, therefore, this is a, a fee-based business, basically, for you, because um, you, 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 you don't actually fund uh, the lending, but you, you, right. you profile it, and then you, you, you sell the, 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 the debt back to someone else. We sell the insurance on the receivable, so that, they, so that it can be funded. Um, and, what is the need for the insurance for, on the receivable? Uh, is that a... Is that a market that is over and above the uh, government-guaranteed lending that's taking place right now? It's kind of the next step. So if you think of a small business, um, they've now been, um, they've not been operational for, you know, two, nearly three months, right? And they are, um, so they've not had any inflow of, um, uh, of um, revenue and um, they therefore need to pay, their, pay the salaries, pay the rents, et cetera, et cetera. The C-Bills ultimately hopes to plug that gap. Um, and then when things recover, when business comes back, um, they're going to need to have that working capital facility. Um, and that's where we come in. So we're very much part of the recovery when things come back to business. And that's where we've been positioning ourselves. So we're, we're at a slightly different stage. Um, and so this is obviously where um, our own um, pitch to the government, um, which, is, which has been successful because we've got a, a government-backed reinsurance scheme for trade credit insurance. Um, so we're talking directly to Bayes, the um, uh, Department for Energy and, and Industry, effectively, or the details of the scheme will be announced in the next week or two. Tell me a little bit more about the uh, credit profiling that you do. Uh, I think in Asia... Uh, we've started seeing uh, credit profiling against uh, trade invoices uh, uh, and uh, supply chains, um, you know, uh, any form of excuses to, to sort of tie, tie the, the funding to, um, a, you know, actual flows, basically. Um, you know, um, what's SME uh, credit profiling look like uh, traditionally and where are you taking it and how applicable is that to what's happening right now? This is where the certainly the partnership that we announced with Gabrielli today was 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 was, was very um, important. Um, in that we what we're looking at in particular is is kind of a, a very micro small level of of what looks like supply chain finance in many many uh, respects. Um, in that um, you um, smaller businesses. Um, are going to struggle to get um, credit terms from their suppliers right now because um, that perceived insolvency risk has gone up so much, right? And that if they can't get those credit terms, then they're going to have to borrow the money. And they're already heavily indebted through C-bills, et cetera, et cetera, or bounce back. Um, so you, what they don't want to do is add on an extra layer of debt. You're laying, layering debt on top of debt on top of debt. And then the company becomes completely um, uh, unviable. What we're doing is by using Gabrielli's models, we can take accounting data straight from the SME, plug it into Gabrielli's model, and then outspits 
the, a new a new rating and then we apply our underwriting on top of that which effectively says well, okay well you know what capacity do we have what's our risk appetite based on on those uh, on those data points right and you've already been doing a lot of this before you 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 have enough data to create profiles of as you know um, yes. where you are at the moment yeah 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 um, and and um, Martin, uh, your credit uh, scoring model, um, you know, uh, how's that different from the high street credit model um, and how's that relevant to what's going on right now? So uh, I guess the, the, the problem that we're, we're looking at um, is the fact that most of the high street credit models um, are kind of out of date with the requirements of, of SMEs and the data that they are able to provide, which would feed a credit model. Um, so what, what, what Fleming and Gabrielle will be talking about is basically what would be a fit for purpose sort of credit strategy approach for, for, for assessing and providing credit to SMEs. Uh, from our perspective, um, we're quite agnostic as to what the, the credit model approach is. Uh, so we operate a, a sort of a, a bring your own credit model uh, or credit algorithms approach uh, where we'll support any type of credit modeling that uh, you want to put in market for uh, for the SME. So we're very much the uh, the infrastructure that drives new digital lending products and, and approaches to, to SME funding. Uh, so we've seen uh, lots of interesting um, models among, among our customers. The majority of them are based on some kind of uh, secured lending, either on receivables, uh, inventory, or uh, assets such as equipment. That, that typically is the three large growth areas uh, that we're seeing uh, large flows go through on, on a, I guess, a go-to-market strategy perspective from, from different lenders across, uh, across the market. Uh, and what we do is basically enable the, uh, the lender to use new types of data to imagine new types of sort of credit scoring uh, and real-time updates to that so that they can actually look to, 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 to solve that, that undersupply of credit, which even in normal times is there. So according to the, um, uh, the, the World Bank, the, the undersupply of credit globally is about 1.5 uh, USD trillion dollars. Uh, and the majority of that is actually in Asia. 40% of that is SMEs in, in, in Asia. Uh, so we've been working on that problem even before the crisis. What we're seeing is an acceleration of new credit models and our technology and infrastructure effectively allows you to bring any type of new credit model and configure it on that, uh, that, that, that infrastructure in a digital way. You said new credit model and then you said uh, going back to secured lending. Um, I guess there is a, you know, a kind of a push and a pull um, trying to experiment with new models. Who does the validation process? How uh, receptive has the FCA been? Uh, and is this crisis a moment to actually experiment uh, some of these new models and be bolder about it? The peer-to-peer -peer lending uh, universe in the UK and also some, to some extent in the US has been a sort of a subservient to the, to the um, uh, high street banks. You know, they've taken on the higher risks um, in the market and so on. Um, does, this, does this pandemic offer a situation where you know, peer-to-peer -peer lending, um, you know, non-traditional financial institutions, um, a whole new market that, you know, that probably didn't exist before. Uh, my personal view is that the, uh, the pandemic will create a huge opportunity for different types of lending models to actually get uh, traction in the UK market. 
that weren't there before. There's been a number of um, challenges, I think, for alternate lending uh, in the UK. Um, not, Which regulation are? regulation yeah. is obviously one of them. Uh, I mean, the reason why the banks are unable to uh, innovate more quickly is that they need to go through the regulatory approval and framework. Uh, and you know, the FCA is quite open to consultation around that, but that process in its own right takes time uh, and investment. And obviously, the uh, treatment of uh, business lending under Basel, uh, you know, means that there's structural uh, uh, constraints as well with with capital efficiency considerations at the bank. So most of the innovation with, with completely new models is happening outside of that sort of bank regulated framework. Uh, it's happening in the alternative uh, lending sector, um, and we, we have seen uh, large adoption uh, relatively uh, to other countries of, of both peer to peer and new types of, of, of lending, uh, such as uh, one of the reasons we like working with, with Fleming's uh, company is, is that trade insurance wrapped product gives a whole different perspective on, on what a lending product could look like uh, in the marketplace and gives a whole level of, um, uh, of control over expected losses that, uh, that was not uh, previously available with, with lending products. Uh, but the, 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 uh, our view is that the, the, the types of models which will um, come up will be based on better credit decisioning, based on more digital data, and uh, you know, very clear and easy to scale ways of uh, securitizing um, those products based on the often intangible assets of the, of, uh, of the business. So we think that receivables and inventory will become uh, the basis of understanding, uh, you know, the inflows and the borrowing base um, and limits available. And that we'll see uh, uh, a surge in new types of digital products, which effectively have lineage going back to traditional products, but are, 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 are so differentiated because of the, the, the real time and digital capabilities that there will be a, a new set of, of products. Give me an example, like... Um... You know, at, at which point does uh, your, your modeling need to be real time? There's a number of, of challenges which will get addressed um, in, in parallel with, with coming out of this crisis. Uh, we mentioned the undersupply of credit. Well, the, re the reason for that is that the, the models and the approach uses data uh, typically, which is, uh, is out of date and only gets updated, say, quarterly or, or monthly at best. So the, the products are, are, are very stale and have been around for quite a long time. Um, but the capacity of the industry to actually furnish real-time digital data is, is there in a lot of cases. And there's more and more digital data sources coming online. So there's accounting data, which all three of the firms actually uh, use on, on this call, which we can get access to via APIs in real time. Through open banking, there's real-time banking transaction data. So between those two sources of data, we can put together a pretty complete picture of the, the inflows and outflows of, uh, of the business and the, uh, I guess, the, the credit worthiness of, of the business. And then we can layer on other information such as logistics information, um, uh, inventory information, uh, shipping information, which means we can build uh, you know, lots of different uh, views of what credit should look like for the business and help uh, people who've got sources of funds with an appetite to flow into SMEs to find ways to do that securely and predictably. So they know uh, what the performance of the portfolio of credit will look like in, uh, in an entire credit cycle. In terms of what real time means, that's where the technology provides um, you know, a, a real advantage. Uh, real time can actually be as a transaction happens within seconds or minutes, 
the update happens to the position uh, for the, the credit provider. So they can see how risk is evolving operationally uh, in virtual real time. And I might um, I'd add one yeah, extra thing on. what Martin was saying there. It's also the granularity of the data that, that Martin's talking about. It doesn't necessarily need to be um, real time a lot of the time, but it's the fact that you've actually got access to the SME data in the first place, as opposed to um, some out of date accounts or, um, or the data from company's house um, from a long time ago. So it's, it, it's, it's, the, it's the, um, the freshness of the data as much as anything. Uh, the question I wanted to ask Mark, uh, uh, Fleming is, uh, would your business look different before the crisis and then uh, when there is a lockdown um, and if it, if it extends to a longer period of time and, um, you know, and trade flows start to look different, um, you know, and also the amount of risk that you are actually taking on your book because uh, um, the longer this, this, uh, the pandemic uh, stretches, the, the higher the risks that are, 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 that are generated. Did the, did the business look different? Um, no, it, we, it was pretty much the, the it, it's business as usual in terms of how we operate. The difference is the demand. Um, so in normal times on the receivables side of things, in terms of finance, um, that the demand for the credit wrap is always there. Um, that has that's increased. Um, in terms of direct to SME, um, the demand's gone through the roof. Um, this is something that Traditionally, SMEs don't worry about. They don't worry about the solvency of their customers, usually until it's too late. Um, but now they are genuinely worried about the solvency of their customers. So from that perspective, yes, it's changed the demand side of our business, and we're, we're making a huge strides to, to change that. Um, in terms of the lockdown, um, obviously volumes have disappeared, um, but we anticipate them coming back. And it's, um, it, it's really about how we position ourselves from a risk perspective um, to use the government scheme in conjunction with the, um, the paper that we have sat behind us and the capacity that's in the market um, to ensure a smooth transition. So the government reinsurance scheme will give some comfort in the short term similar to sort of C-bills, but in the longer term, you've got to look at that transition. When that reinsurance scheme disappears, you want a seamless transition into, into, um, um, into, well, into the new normal, whatever that is. Um, and, and predominantly what, what, what I'm basically saying there is it's not just a free put, right? You can't just put all the risk on the government um, because um, when, that, when that put disappears and your customers all turn around uh, and say, I still want to have that coverage um, when, that, when that reinsurance has disappeared um, and you say, oh no, now it's gone. Um, that's, that's not only a terrible customer experience, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a bad business decision. Right. Uh, Gabriel, are you direct to customers? Are you an originator? No, we again offer mainly risk assessment. So we mainly work to, with lenders, insurances, funds, anyone uh, that needs to assess the quality of SMEs. Uh, and so our models are specifically developed for that purpose. Who are your clients at the moment and where is the demand coming from or rather where the, where the requests coming from? The vast majority of our clients are uh, 
bank and non-bank lenders. So that's historically uh, the ones that have been uh, used the most to use credit risk as a, uh, a, a good way of, you know, uh, lending their, uh, their, their funds. Uh, increasingly, now funds directly are playing a role into the lending industry. So before we saw funds lending through lenders, so most of the funds would deploy their funds to other lenders and let them deploy to the real economy. Now, many more of those funds are actually, you know, joining the arena and trying to lend themselves private debt or uh, yeah. even uh, direct lending. And that's actually one of the reasons why we thought that this uh, task force was needed because many of those funds actually don't have the infrastructure, the tools that they would need to deploy their funds in a context like the one we are now, but in general, I would say. So uh, that, that, that these are like the vast majority of our customers today. That's yeah. amazing, uh, you know, what you're doing. Um, to what extent, you know, that, that do you need to get FCA approval for what you're doing? Or is this outside the ambit of uh, the government and initiatives? I, I, uh, because it's, it is it's, very entrepreneurial, it's very necessary. But uh, what I'm trying to get a picture of is um, to what extent have uh, governments forgotten fintechs like you? Well, I, I, I guess what we are trying to provide is a ready-to-use solution. So today you want to go and deploy, uh, maybe you're a big fund, you have a lot of investors that want you to deploy those funds and you don't have the infrastructure, you don't have the risk assessment tools, the way to offer credit insurance. Uh, and so you, you're missing all these tools and putting them together would cost you a lot of time uh, and efforts. So we can be a good solution at that point. Uh, what about the government? I mean, definitely I think the government so far has been accepting a lot of uh, established lenders. And uh, when we say established, we think that they're ready to lend. But the reality, if we look at the numbers, is that many of them, including banks, were not ready to lend. Uh, and, and so I think our proposition can be of help to many out there in the market. Um, right. That's I, where I, I think would... we could get some more recognition, I think, from the government. Um, if you look at what we're doing, it's, it's in addition and outside of, uh, I guess, the government strategy to fund uh, in the short term. Really, what we're looking at is, uh, I guess, traditionally, how market forces shape competition and drive uh, innovation in a marketplace. That's really where we sit. But uh, interestingly, we're starting to see a change in the shape of the lending market that will emerge from this crisis. So um, I, I'm starting to observe attributes which we've only previously seen in the US market and attributes we've only previously seen in the Chinese market uh, start to uh, come in, come to bear as forces in the market. So, for example, picking up on what Gabrielle said, we've seen a lot of uh, funds who traditionally have not been able to service this market uh, engage with us to talk about how we can provide infrastructure for them to deploy funds at scale very, very quickly. Uh, post the crisis in multiple countries. So in three separate countries, we've seen that happen. That's very much the US model, which is a much more diversified uh, market, where there's a lot more sort of private debt solutions available to SMEs than there are potentially in, in some uh, 
Asian or European countries. Uh, and, and we're starting to see that these new models are being built on a completely digital basis, similar to what you see in China, to have the ability to scale extremely quickly. And they have the capital on hand to be able to flow into scaling those models quickly. So I, I think you'll start to see a lot more differentiation, a lot more innovation in the lending space uh, post the, the crisis. Uh, to, to paraphrase what, what Fleming says, whatever the new normal looks like, it, it'll be different than than, than what, what the market looked like before, which was, was very much driven by the, I guess, the shape of the capital market and the regulation. Yeah. Amazing, Martin, because um, there's the, the core lending and there's the insured lending. Uh, what about, uh, and you know, the alternative lenders and so on. And there's another dimension, which is really the trade flow or rather the uh, supply chain lending, uh, working with principals to work out um, a lending program which may not even result in, um, you know, in actual funds being dispersed. It may be inventory control, it may be uh, process, um, you know, and the Japanese seem to be very good at that. Uh, and they've actually, they've been doing that for over many years since, um, you know, uh, liquidity was an issue uh, in the Japanese market. Um, you know, uh, your models, all three of yours, um, seem to uh, lend itself to, um, you know, to, to new approaches that gets further and further away from balance sheet. I, I take it that you have those ideas in mind as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, I think that we're, we're, in, a, we're in a pretty um, unique uh, place uh, in the industry where we're on, on the cusp of, of significant and rapid innovation on multiple dimensions, both uh, I guess the, uh, the change in regulations, the opening up of competition, the availability of digital data and the application of technology. What we, we do basically is we provide the, the, the tech and uh, the services that enable uh, a much more differentiated and competitive uh, next generation of, of lending to, uh, to, to, to occur. How much of what you, you do now, the three of you, uh, is a function of price? Uh, given that lots of government lending now is highly subsidized, um, you know, uh, and uh, the businesses that you work with uh, would have a premium on, on price and therefore uh, the take-up rates may not be you know, as high as um, you might want it to be even given the, the crisis as it is. Um, you know, how much of that is a function of at what cost? I, I think that's an interesting dynamic in the market overall. Uh, I mean, traditionally, you've got the, the two ends of the market covered pretty well. So micro-business lending is quite competitive. Um, up to sort of like 50,000 uh, pounds in the UK. And then large corporate lending is, is very well uh, serviced. But the, the SME sector uh, tends to append to either end of that market and hasn't been very well serviced itself. So, and that's reflected in the rates. Uh, in most countries, you see that there's basically very low cost lending through the banks uh, of a couple of percent. And then there's a big gulf to uh, the alternate lending sector. Uh, and, and that can be double digits of, uh, of interest rates and, and, and costs and nothing in the middle. And our, our view, or my view is that the, the reason for that is that the, the products haven't been defined for that mass middle market. So the, the SME sector. Um, and that's something which we're starting to see get addressed now. It's a very attractive sector with very attractive uh, returns and a very good credit profile if you're able to actually uh, properly understand that credit profile. So I, I think what you'll start to see is, is um, you know, a much more 
stratospheric approach to actually how products come to market. So it, the, you know, the basis of, of SME segmentation is very broad at the moment. So one bank we deal with, uh, their, their SME segment goes uh, all the way from uh, uh, 6 million uh, turnover businesses to 500 million turnover businesses. And, 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 and you can't treat a segment that large as one segment. It needs to be broken down into half a dozen segments at least. And, and I think that's, that's where we're starting to see uh, a lot more focus from the, the, the new players and the new funds coming into market. One thing I'd add with that is um, it's also okay. about the efficiency um, in, in as much as um, when you start getting more and more uh, micro in the level of the, either the lending or the underwriting or whatever it is, um, you can't afford to have a human being doing those processes. Um, so it's about the fact that you can do the digital, digital process from end to end automatically, especially in our market. Um, when you have a human, um, it not only slows it down, it also increases the cost, um, but also the, the, um, uh, the, the operational risk, right, as well, um, that, they, that they make a mistake. Um, so that's, that's also a very important fun function within that price element. Just to close on this, I think in terms of pricing, our propositions combined uh, for the three of us uh, should be seen as actually uh, more convenient in times like this. So if you look at the old infrastructures, these are the ones that cost a lot of money and old tech, uh, all these uh, even old service providers in terms of credit risk, they all charge very high prices because they use old technologies. They source the wrong type of data. Our combined proposition, but also our separate proposition, they are all focused on the new digital channels. And so that's where Trade Ledger, Nimbla, Wiser Funding, they all have an advantage, a strong competitive advantage today in particular, but in general in this new uh, lending world. Yeah, the mechanics of what you talk about, I, I know that all three of you are in the credit profiling um, you know, dimension, uh, but everything from origination to secondary market, basically, potentially can be transformed uh, during this period. Um, you know, the, the, the secondary market can take the credit profiles that you provide um, you know, as, um, as, the, as being the quality of the assets being created and stuff. So there's a lot of potential in what you're doing. Um, it's uh, scale, um, you know, and it's uh, uh, and it's a it's a defined market that you can create. Um, you know, um, it, it'll be it it'll be very interesting to see how all three of you evolve uh, from the pandemic and and how it creates both depth and complexity in what you do. Um, and and then uh, you know the the secondary element of. Uh, of the papers that you create, uh, the, 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 the credit that you create. The, the one last ground that I think I should ask you is, um, what do you feel as uh, fintech players yourselves uh, at this time? Um, you know, the, the support from the government that you should be getting uh, at this point in time uh, from the FCA uh, and, uh, you know, the, the, the kind of conversations that you're having and, and, and if, you, if, you, if there are opportunities that you're missing out on. Um. I mean, we're an SME, um, so you know we, we, we looked at the, the schemes available. I, I think from our perspective, uh, we don't qualify for any of the, the credit support, but also we don't need it. We went to market and actually raised uh, uh, funding ourselves. Um, and, and that's the thing about being, a, being an entrepreneurial business. Uh, for us, this crisis is just another day of the office. 
uh, we, we live in a, in a very competitive, chaotic uh, environment anyway. Uh, so we were able to react and deal with the, the impact of the crisis quite quickly. Uh, I'm actually very excited uh, about where we are. I think we're in a unique place in time. I think we're seeing a generational shift, uh, which is accelerating because of the crisis, to adoption of uh, you know, a technology-first approach to uh, business credit. Uh, and you know, it's, it's the technologists and the technology-led uh, businesses who are actually adding value to uh, the transformation of the marketplace. Uh, so I, I think um, from, from where we are, we're very excited. Our business actually has grown sub substantially since the, the, the crisis. In terms of uh, number of staff, uh, we've grown by more than a third. Um, we've employed more people through the crisis. Uh, our customer base has grown by uh, over 25%. That's the trend we're going to see coming out of this. It, it's not going to be optional to digitize uh, your lending um, going forward. There's going to be a huge more competition. I think for the first time in, uh, in 20 years, there's probably going to be a level of funding flowing into SMEs, which matches the demand uh, in a very short period of time because of the expansion of options, which will be available to SMEs through digital data and technology. Uh, so we're very excited and bullish, uh, I guess, about the prospects of whatever the new normal looks like on the other side of the COVID pandemic. Yeah. So in terms of the um, the government response, um, you know, again, the C bills and and bounce back, um, and most of the other the schemes, um, not really applicable to us. We are looking at the future fund, um, which is a, a different thing, a matched funding, effectively. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know, the jury's still out on that one. Um, but um, from our personal perspective, um, I've been very, very impressed by the way that, um, you know, that the government actually responded. They reached out to us personally. Um, Bayes spoke to us directly um, to ensure that our needs were addressed and to ensure that, um, that the scheme that they're, they're working through the details of now will, will apply to us. And if I'm perfectly honest, they seem to have taken the, um, uh, the learnings from the prior, so from the C-bills and bounce back, um, in as much as, you know, they've, they've made it very explicit that new business will be covered and so on and so forth. So I've actually been very impressed. Um, it may be that we were sort of less at the, the very, very start of the process where they were still learning. We've, we've benefited from the, perhaps some of the, 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 mistakes that were made early on, um, but I've actually been very impressed with the way that they've handled it. I actually uh, agree with uh, both Martin and, and Flemings. I mean, we've seen exactly the same thing. Uh, personally, very impressed with the uh, level of support that has been put in place by the UK government and uh, also uh, for what we see for our clients and uh, for uh, the fintech ecosystem around us. On the other side, also, we have seen a growth uh, in terms of business since the start of the crisis. Obviously, we do risk, so and risk in moments like this gets uh, higher on the agenda for pretty much everyone. I would see any crisis like this as an opportunity uh, rather than a threat. And that's what we've been um, saying also now for, for some time. And that's what we are seeing, growth on our side and more interest around what we do. That's beneficial definitely. Uh, thank you very much, all three of you. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I wanted to speak uh, with FinTech players who, um, who have sort of operated a little bit outside of uh, government 
guarantee schemes for lending to small businesses at this point in time. Uh, you had uh, uh, promoted the idea that you were ready, willing, and able to help um, provide the credit profiling infrastructure that's required to, um, you know, to build on the lending that needs to happen going forward. Uh, I also wanted to test with you uh, the kind of um, you know, models that you use. Uh, and it's very interesting um, that uh, you've been exploring new models and I'm sure that uh, that will expand um, as the crisis works its way, way through, um, you know, and that your clients will be, um, you know, will be working with you with, um, you know, for, for new ways in which to look at credit going forward. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Radio Finance. For more content, visit the Asian Banker website and follow us on social media.